I've only done it inside. Uh, yeah, I, I, the, actually, that day was the only time I've ever been there. Oh, wow. My first time there. Yeah, it was cool because Athena was on the first show mm-hmm. and I was on the second show. And then Patrick posted that he needed help because getting the comics kind of um, gathered and stuff. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm going to be there. Yeah. And so I, I, I offered help and stuff. And he paid me 20 bucks, which was nice. And then uh, um, it was cool because... The, my, the the best part about it was, was every single comic that was there kind of had to interact with me. So like mm-hmm. I kind of got to like talk to everybody and see everybody real quick and everything. Yep. And then like like you're one of the people that I knew online that I never met, and also Gary Hughes. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a person who I never met before that that I knew from the internet from Zooms. Yeah, so that was crazy. It, it was nice because it's like yeah, that we've never in our history had a situation where it's like oh no, I know this person. I've like done comedy with them. Never met them face to face. Yeah, and then like for for Gary, like we would just hang out for hours and hours because you know we, I would host Zoom hangouts, he would host Zoom hangouts and everything, and that yeah. was a big thing in the pandemic. And so we would just be just hanging out for so long. Yeah, so yeah. much fun. Yeah, I got to do one of the live who wrote this shit shows. <laughs> they did it live. Yeah, they did it live. They did like a little t- mini tour, and they came to Sacramento. Did uh the Stab Theater, which is like a. 30 40 seat yeah theater. I, actually, I just performed there uh jess roberts does a monthly yeah. show called no boys allowed you were on that one yeah once a year she does the mail the mail show yeah i was yep. on the mail show me too i was la- uh last year i did it and it was nice. yeah i got i got cat called so much during it it was so fun i love oh, it they were telling me to put my clothes back on <laughs> no i'm just kidding that was actually david thorne david thorne took his shirt off and we were like put it back on no he censored him oh he they they sent no. him on the Twitch stream, <laughs> and also uh, after this set, Jess went back on stage and she's like, "Wow, I didn't think we'd see titties tonight." Oh my god! <laughs> it was a good time. It was definitely a good time. Okay, now I'm curious. Like when you say they censored him, do you mean like as a joke that like? Yeah, they, Jesse... I, I believe on okay. the stream they put okay. the, the the stab comedy theater logo over his body. Oh, oh my god. The... Just over his nope. upper body. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. over his Jess, upper body. Yeah, Jesse yeah. is like such a genius <laughs> at that like the streaming side of it. I'm like I love working with that guy. He is and so funny. I love that they have that uh big screen in the in the lobby area and you can watch the stream as it's happening. Yep. So like you can go and read the comments and see how many people are watching and all the stuff and it's all right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was a little bit embarrassed because uh when it first started and I saw the screen up I was like, "Oh, let me go follow them on Twitch, right? And the whole room chimed. And I was like, I'm sorry, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. That is so fun. I like to do my set and then walk out and see if there were any comments like, oh, he's so funny. What's his what's his Instagram? Like yeah, I'm so I, I didn't cocky. think about that. I didn't think about that until later on. And I was like, Oh, the comments. I should have looked at my my comments. One of my didn't. one of my best, I did like a lip sync battle there and like it did the advertisement through half of my lip sync. So like I started in like the first 15, 20 seconds play, and then it does a minute 30 ad. And then you just see the final 15 seconds. I'm like, everybody watching just saw the weirdest lip sync that the start and finish were not funny. And the middle is where it was all funny. I was like, yeah, they just, they probably think that was the saddest lip sync. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's crazy. I didn't even realize that they have ads and stuff during people's sets. Yeah. It's so funny. It's so, and it's so random. He doesn't choose when they air. It just like automatically throws it up. And then yeah, wherever it's at, it doesn't come back to it. It doesn't like rewind and show what you missed. It just 
picks right back up. Yeah, it would be neat though if if you could like if they say, all right, you have to have four ads, right? And so then you can kind of strategically, okay, we'll do it between comics and then we'll just won't have anybody up at that time or whatever. That'd be neat. But yeah, yeah. and he he could even do something for like the live studio audience, like, all right, commercial break and then act out a fake commercial or something. And then when it comes back, everybody's just had it. But yeah, I don't think I don't think they even give him like a warning, like, hey, in two minutes, like if they did, I feel like, yeah, that'd be he would he would know to do something like that by then. Yeah, like you said, he's really good with the stream. So yeah, picture in picture. Ooh, picture in picture. (laughs) With the comedy show at the bottom of the screen. That'd be so cool. Hell yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hypothetical Comedy Podcast. I am Funky Sam Medina, and I am Athena Rodriguez, and we're here with comedian Drew Schaefer. What's up, Drew? Hey guys, thanks for having me. Hell yeah, good to meet you. Good to meet you. Good to finally meet you a few days ago in person. Yeah, we were (laughs) pandemic friends, pandemic pals. And then, yeah, finally I was like, oh, I know that face. I've never (laughs) seen the body. I've just seen, you know, just Same thing. I saw the same thing. I was like, wait a minute. I know you. You weren't like Gary, though. Gary Hughes was super creepy. He was standing right behind (laughs) me with a huge smile on his face. So I turned around. I'm like, what? Oh, that's Gary. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, yeah. Speaking of smiles, so I met you, and I was like, oh, man, Drew was so happy to meet me. He has a big old smile on his face, you know? And then you went on stage, and you talked about how you smile no matter what. Yeah, I just have so, an overbite, so I, I don't have enough upper lip. I know I, I maybe light's too bright. I'm going to turn it down because I look like a ghost, but I don't have any upper lip, as you can tell. I'm, like, looking at myself. I'm like, I look bad. You're... <laughs> It's good though. I really, I really enjoyed uh, the material about that. That was fun. Thank even you. though I was going, even though I was going, oh, I thought he was happy to meet me. Yeah. <laughs> the funniest part. So I don't love to like road trip with other comics. I'm very like socially anxious person. So like I don't want to the pressure before a show to be like on it. Mm-hmm. But I was, I did a trip from Sacramento to Napa with Robert Amoto, one of my favorites. And on the way back, he's like, dude, like you can get away with so much on stage because you're so likable because you're smiling all the time. And I was like, I'm not smiling. I just have an overbite. And he laughed for like 30 seconds. He's like, you need to tell people that because the entire time you're on stage, people are like, this guy's really happy. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm not. My new one, I love it. I, I thought of it at the Alameda Comedy Club. I was like, I have a face if you see me on the Golden Gate Bridge you're not worried whatsoever. <laughs> you're like, wow, he really enjoys the beauty and mystique of the Golden Gate Bridge. Like, that guy ain't jumping. Yeah, oh, definitely not this. I'm like, I'm so depressed. You just have to look at the eyes. Just, yeah. God. You're all look. Happy. Look, I know. You gotta, you gotta, I bet during the pandemic, you look sad though, right? With the mask on. <laughs> yeah. The, the, yeah, the number of people who approach me thinking I worked at stores when I had a mask on, way lower. <laughs> but I walk around with a giant smile. People are like, excuse me, sir, where's this? I'm like, oh, wow. I'm in a t-shirt. Like, why do you think it's casual Friday? Like, <laughs> I just look helpful. I've actually said that to somebody before. I looked at myself and I go, why do you think I work here? Yeah, <laughs> I do make the mistake like I I'm business casual for my office and I'll go to a store afterwards so I'm wearing like a button-up shirt but I'm like it's a floral button-up shirt at Walgreens like that's yeah. not the uniform you know my shirt says Best Buy yeah. and I'm at Target <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing red at Best Buy obviously I don't work here <laughs> hell yeah so hey 
So you, uh, you're in Sacramento. Were you, uh, did you grow up in Sacramento? So I was born in Hayward. Okay. Um, so you were a Bay Area boy. Yeah, I was a Bay Area boy. I moved when I was nine years old. Um, cause I was just, I was getting beat up all the time. I was the only white kid at my school and the gangs were really bad in my neighborhood. So I was just getting bullied and picked on. My mom's like, if I don't move my son, he's going to die. So then we moved to the middle of nowhere, Nevada. And the bullies probably thought you liked it because you were smiling through it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Oh, he must be having a good time. The nicknames they had for me back then. Yeah. I was like, they were like, yeah, let's bully him. He looks fine. I'm like, no, I'm I'm not fine. (laughs) This has no permanent effect on him. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, we we make fun of him. It doesn't bring him down whatsoever. Um, so then moved to middle of nowhere, Nevada. And then I started comedy 10 years ago in Reno. Wow. wow. So you grew up in Nevada and nowhere, Nevada. Yeah. Middle of nowhere, firmly Nevada. If you're ever on 80, you drive to Reno and you drive 30 miles past and you're in firmly wow. and there's nothing there. There's Did you just... get beat up there. Um, for different reasons. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Well, there was like, it, I guess, I guess you can't yeah. get away from it. No, it, it's going to happen. And when you look like this, yeah, people want to really pick on you. But it's like, yeah, I, I got in little fights here and there. But it was like I had been picked on so much in California that like I showed up at, in Nevada and I quickly rose through the ranks. We had like a turtle cage, little playground turtle cage, and kids would have MMA fights in there. Oh, dang. Wow. And, and my move was like a wrist lock where I just grab your wrist and twist as hard as I could and like spin around and really just keep twisting your wrist past its limit. So I was undefeated. And then they threw me in there against a girl, which we were in fourth grade. So girls had already hit their first growth spurt. So she was like five foot eight and outweighed me by 50 pounds. And she was a shin kicker was her move. Oh, so dang. she had just this long range and she would just kick at you. And she you can even reach her. Yeah. For a long range. Yeah. So I was like, I'm just, it's going to hurt, but I'm going to go in. And she kicked a few times. And I grabbed her wrist and spun around and she <laughs> screamed at the top of her lungs. And I won. And I was the king of the, of the turtle cage. Wow. So what yeah. you're saying is uh, don't heckle you. No, don't heckle <laughs> me. Like, I don't know how to respond in a healthy way. <laughs> <laughs> I just said a few things and he just grabbed my wrist. Yeah, he Dang. just he went off. He he tried to make a joke out of it. It didn't get a laugh and then he flipped. <laughs> and I'm a straight white guy, so obviously that's my only way to, to have an outlet for my anger is just to fight <laughs> and throw things. I wasn't even expecting it. He looked so happy. Yeah. <laughs> I've had people, yeah, on stage think that, yeah, they're like, oh, you're liking it. Like when they're being like heckling or trying to be supportive. I'm like, wow, no, shut up. Oh it's so God. it's so crazy because I used to work at um, Tommy T's comedy club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy how how um, these people that heckle, they think they're adding to the show. Yeah, they really, really do. Yeah. Have you did you ever have like somebody that was just so crossfaded that they didn't even know that they were heckling? Like they were like, no, I'm just enjoying the show. What are you talking about? So when I ask me to, to keep their voice down or, you know, not talk so loud, the typical response I get is I was just laughing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people think they're just laughing with complete sentences. Yep, exactly. <laughs> like, okay, I'm glad that yeah. you're laughing with sentences. Yep. They, yeah, <laughs> they don't realize. They're like, they think, yeah, they think that what they said out loud was just a thought. They're like, I'm laughing. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, a lot of times too, like, like if there's a comic on stage, even like a famous comic, and they're talking about like um, Walmart or whatever, it'll remind somebody at a table. I've seen this so many times. Oh, dude, yesterday I went to Walmart and this and this happened. And it's like, just wait. Yeah, 
It's like, not now. This is not your yeah, time. Don't tell your Walmart story when they're on stage. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a funny thing because I'm, I'm so bad with hecklers. So I just like, I panic anytime I hear anything going on. I'm just like, I hope I don't have to address it. I don't have anything <laughs> ready. I'm I'm more scared of them than they are of me. Like it's bad. I've been getting a little bit I've been a little bit better with this like interacting with people. Not necessarily hecklers, but like just people who are like maybe react to my jokes weirdly and then mm-hmm. I'll point them out and be like, Oh, this person reacted this way and stuff like that, which is really fun. Yeah. I the last week of comedy, I think because I'm just so tired from work, I've been very like stand and deliver and just react to them reacting nice like usually i think you saw me in alameda i was like bouncing all over the place and i'm like hyper and super energetic but like the last week people have been like you're so funny you're so confident up there and it's because i'll like tell the joke and just look around and be like these assholes aren't laughing over here like and i'll call them out i'll be like yeah you're you're making like an agreement noise to me saying i got bullied as a kid like it sounds like you think i should have been bullied (laughs) and then it's like i just like will listen to the crowd and it's so much slower and i think like a normal comedian speed versus my normal like i'm trying to say every word i can think of so it's been it's been fun and it's just because i'm angry at the world because of work i mean that's a good way to put it though because i feel like the past maybe this year the last six months or so i've been slowing down a lot i've been able to kind of like guide myself a lot better and i've been able to just write a comedian pace instead of just nervous oh oh, okay this this and this and then step on laughs and i've gotten a lot better at um at being silent because my my jokes are thinkers a lot of my jokes are thinkers and so i'll say a joke and then like i'll have to wait a couple seconds and then they'll laugh like last night i did this joke and um it's a really fun it's a really fun one you know and i said it and there was this complete silence and then i said to myself wow i usually get a pretty good reaction to that and then the the laughter just came in a big wave. And it the whole, rumbled. The whole place it was just so laughed. Cool. Yeah, it that's was so cool. Just a couple second delay. It was great. Is, for you, is it like is the confidence finally there? Like you've yes. seen it crush. So now you're like, if they're not laughing, it's their fault. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't. I mean, I'm not perfect, but yeah, for the most part, um, I'm really confident in my in my jokes, and I'm really confident in my delivery. And I, I wasn't before. I really wasn't. And I, I am now. And it's just, it's such a different feeling. And it, it feels is. great. She's actually caught in me, uh, caught, caught in, she's caught me uh, <laughs> on stage where I'll say something and then I'll, I'll let it. What I do is I, I pause and I let the anticipation build and then I'll hit the punch and the place will erupt and I'll just smile. I'll just have a smile on my face, you know? And it's yep. so cute because it's like, you can see that smirk, that kind of smile where he's like, all right, I got him. Yep. Like, and yep. I love that. I love seeing him do that on stage like, and have that feeling. Cause I know that right after that, it's just like, he's just going to have so much fun with it. Yep. Yeah. It is. It's such a, it's such a difference when you get those moments. It really is. So yeah, that's, that's how, you know, okay, this is my night. This is my night versus yeah. sometimes you're like, oh, this is work. This is why they're paying me for this. And I feel like for myself, um, in the last six months or so, the anxiety, the anxiety that I would have on stage has subsided. And to where um, I'm thinking with a lot more clear head now on stage because the anxiety is not there. And that's one less thing I have to worry about. Yeah. It's something where like, I did you ever have people be like, you seem so confident up there. You seem so calm. Like, do you deliver that way where like on the inside, you were like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm dying. I'm yes. dying. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like there's times where like, I would even tell her like, I was panicking on stage and she's like, you look fine. Yeah. Well, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I always that I was scared. <laughs> I call it the duck theory because when you see a duck on a like a river or a lake or whatever, it looks so calm on the surface. But then like under the water, it's paddling like hell to stay afloat and move around. But you're like, oh, it's so calm and serene. But under <laughs> under the surface, full freak out every single time. Yeah. But it's weird because I think that's just my personality. Because like Same. I can I can go through a huge like anxiety, like I'm so scared and everything, but like I don't show it like physically. Yeah. That's it's that's all impressive. Just, like, it's internal. Yeah. I have just a little ticks that pop up and then yeah, for like at Alameda Comedy Club, it's like I'll like dance or move around too much if I'm like too amped up. And so lately it's like last night I did a show where the stage was like a milk carton sort of thing or whatever, oh, like wow. literally just one and I was like, okay, well, I can't have anxiety tonight because <laughs> if I take a half step either direction, I'm falling off of this thing. And it was just such a like different set where I, it just was delivered like, all right, here's me not having any anxiety ever. I had a good childhood and it, it went all right. But yeah, I was like, I need some movement just yeah. to like, I don't know, like a, Stage what do they call Yeah. <laughs> Like a little stem. That's what the kids are calling it these days. Mm -hmm. A little stem for myself. Like, oh, anxiety. I need to act out in some way. Yeah. And, yeah. No, it's true. Because I, I, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big pacer. Yep. Um, before my set, though, I try to keep it off stage. Um, Zoom really helped me as far as that goes. Because I was, a, I was always a fidgeter. I would always fidget with the mic cord. You know, I would kind of pace around a little bit. But Zoom taught me because there's no mic cord. There's no mic in my hand when I'm doing Zoom. And also, I have to stay in the frame. So I can't mm -hmm. really move around. So Zoom taught me to stay in the pocket, essentially. Yeah. I I did, like, two actual comedy show comedy shows on Zoom. Like, I know a lot of people were getting invited every week. I just was never getting invited to do them. And I was like, I'm actually okay with it because I'm nice. so bad at it. Oh, oh wow. man. We were doing, I was doing, like, two a night. Like, yeah. we were doing so many. We were <gasps> running shows. Like I wish I knew you back then, because yeah, we could have we could have had you on some more stuff. It was good, it was fun. I feel I feel like every time I did it, something went wrong. Like one of the times I had like <laughs> such a good set, I was crushing it, and thirty seconds into it, I finally got like the private message that popped up. It was like, hey, nobody can hear you. You're muted. <laughs> You're muted. Yeah. That's like they're like, like trying to tell me, but you know how Zoom is. Like it, yeah. you can't fully hear. And I was like, oh, people are laughing. People are like responding, but it's still me talking. And then yeah, DM. Hey, nobody can hear you. I was like, oh my god. That shows that shows your Zoom inexperience. Yeah, and it's like otherwise. I mean, the game shows over Zoom like still the most the best, fun. The best. I, the best. I adored that. Like that was the thing, and I would watch so many of them too. But yeah, the shows themselves. Yeah, I did too, and neither one went well. Um, <laughs> so I was just like, I'm glad nobody wants me to come to their party. <laughs> That's really what it felt like. I was like, all right. Like there were a couple periods during the pandemic where like I would text myself because I hadn't gotten a text from anybody for like a week just to be like, oh, is my phone just not working? And then oh. the text would come in so quick, like <laughs> aggressively quick. Like, nope, your phone works. <laughs> yes. i'll be like oh so just nobody's texting nobody's asking me on shows now that i'm out of the you know i'm not a zoom comedian so it was interesting <laughs> this is my phone not working <laughs> yeah i legitimately was like verizon you're letting me down here and then yeah it would come through instantly and i'd be like oh nope not the phone <laughs> Hell yeah. so you said that you started comedy about 10 years ago in reno um yeah. how did you discover and kind of fall in love with comedy 
Um, so here's the part where people need to get their tissues and 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 get ready to be sad. Um, oh, so man. the reason I actually started stand-up comedy is 10 years ago, my brother was dying of cancer. Um, chemo hadn't had stopped working. He had had the same tumor in high school and radiation had worked. But they're like, oh, we can't radiate again. It'll kill you. So here's chemo. And it didn't work. So he had all these like um, bucket list things he wanted to do. And one of them was just like a poker night in Reno. So we went to a casino. We were hanging out. And one of our friends who came with us was like, hey, I got to bail early. I'm doing a comedy open mic. And like my brother and I both like Comedy Central is on TV 24-7. It was like that or ESPN back and forth, back and forth. And like in third grade, I had tried out as a stand-up comedian for a talent show. Oh, didn't wow. make it in. They didn't, Wait, they uh, didn't do pass you, me. Do you remember any of your third grade jokes? All I remember was a joke where I talked about how I like to wear my hat forward to block the sun out of my eyes like it's designed for. But all the cool kids wear it backwards. So I, I'm like, how do I how do I be cool but also block the sun out of my eyes? And then I had built... I had like stacked two hats together and glued them together. And I was like, voila. And I put on the hat with a forward bill and a backwards bill. I was like, you're, carrot top. Yeah, I was like, you're the original carrot top. I was the original carrot top. I thought it was the funniest thing ever. And they literally had 25 slots. 26 of us auditioned. And I was the one who didn't make the cut. Wow. <laughs> and they had six different groups who danced to Bye 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 by NSYNC. Oh my goodness. I'm like, you could cut one of them. It's the same dance moves. We all saw the music video and they didn't pick me. So like, it was still something like, I love jokes. My brother was like, if somebody was having a bad day, he would tell them a pun or like a knock-knock joke, like very much like a dad joke master. And so like when our buddy was like, hey, yeah, I'm going to go to a comedy open mic. I was like, I want to try that. Do you? And he was like, I'm way too weak and tired. I can't like stand up for five minutes and do it, but you should. And so he got to see me do my first ever stand up open mic in Reno. Wow. I was um, kind of on the spot. Like you weren't even planning wonderful. it. No, not even planning it. And then just showed up, went up. Did you bring the hat? Uh, no. I <laughs> also like, even to this day, I'm still mad. Cause I'm like, yeah, I want to be cool. But like, yeah, I also there's know a, what's functioning. There's a meme. There's a meme of a guy at a baseball game with a backwards hat and he has his hand over his eyes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's I've seen that one and it makes me laugh every time. I'm like, see, I was just I was too soon. That's yeah. what it was. You're ahead, your, you're ahead of your time, absolutely. Ahead of my time. Uh, yes. but yeah, my my brother saw my first time ever. It was a competition at Third Street Bar. I came in second. Wow. Yeah. Just with like Facebook jokes. I just went up there and told like jokes I posted on my Facebook. Like I treated Facebook like Twitter. And so I just read from my Facebook and it did really well. And then, yeah, afterwards we were driving home. And I was like, what do you think? And he was like, eh, maybe comedy isn't for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, screw you, dude. Like I'm, I'm like taking care of you right now. Like you can't say <laughs> that shit to me. Like, I'll accidentally not change your diaper. Like, he was, like, <laughs> at that point, like, adult diapers. And I was, like, I will not change that shit. Like, I will make you suffer. And he, that's just how brothers are. Like, it oh, was yeah. just so cool. And yeah. then he died, like, a month month after that. So it was just, oh, like, man. comedy hit at the right time. And then I'm, like, that was my coping mechanism. And the week after he passed away was the first time I won the competition at Third Street Bar. Oh, and I'm wow. like, I don't know. I don't know if it was pity or not, but also I had a really good new bit I tried that night. So I don't know. 
but so I've been hooked ever since. That's so good. That is yeah. really cool. You know, a lot of people will do it and then just not do it again. So that's cool that you kind of ran yeah. with it. Yeah, it was just, it went so well. And like I said, like my brother liked to make people happy. I got that from him. He was my older brother. So like everything he did, I wanted to do too. So it's like seeing that and I was like, oh, comedy is like a way to make people happy. And every time like I would want to quit, somebody would come up and be like, I needed your comedy tonight. Like I was having a rough week and you made it better. I'm like, all right, that gives me fuel for six more months. And it's like just constant. And now, like, I talk about my brother on stage, so I'm like, oh, now all the time people are coming up, and they're like, oh, my God, that's so inspiring. You made me remember my family member who died of cancer and how much fun we had. I'm like, this is, like, it's finally 10 years in starting to come together where I'm like, I feel like I'm actually doing the right thing. That's beautiful. Wow. That's cool. Um, I was doing this joke for a while. Uh, where I talk about going through divorce. It was completely fictional. You know, I'm going okay. through divorce. We, you know, we got joint custody. I got a joint. She got custody, right? <laughs> Silly, whatever. Um, but a guy literally came up to me after the show and he was like, you know what, man? I'm going through a divorce right now. And like the way that you brought light to it just made me really happy. And I really enjoyed that. We have so much power that we don't even realize. Like, that's why when comics only do dick jokes, I'm like, come on, like, yeah, maybe there's oh somebody out there who has like erectile dysfunction and you you reminded him of what it was like when it did work. But like, I'm, I'm like, gonna you tell have... you this. We... oh, sorry, go ahead. No, we just have so much power. That's all. So yeah. let's use I was gonna it for say, good. We went to Reno, your place in 2019, yep. man. And it was nothing but dick and pedophile jokes. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> literally. We were it's... so surprised because there was like, you know, it's peppered into a lot of comedy communities, but. We were just surprised the frequency of them. <laughs> yeah. So the problem in Reno, because you guys are in the Bay, I'm in Sacramento. Like when we do open mics and there's like shows all the time, there's audiences. Mm-hmm. But in Reno, it's like every open mic, it's just other comedians and sometimes like the drunks who are regulars at that bar. But it doesn't like draw a crowd and there's no open mic that like legitimately draws a crowd. So, oh, so they're trying to like make just like do comic jokes, do jokes for the comics. Like, yeah, it's just all shock value shit. to like get something out of your, you know, other sense. jaded comedians to laugh. <laughs> yeah. And then like anybody who's not like that very quickly gets out and tries to like <laughs> do anything else. So that's what um, happened to me. I was like, man, I'm just like, I'm doing all jokes about looking like a lesbian. I'm doing a lot of, <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> I'll never forget Jenny from Laughs Unlimited here in Sacramento. She came up because Carlos Rodriguez was headlining the club in Reno I worked at. And we all went out to eat afterwards. And she literally looked at me. She's like, are you going to say something about looking like a lesbian right now? And I was like, oh, damn, she's calling me out. And then like, <laughs> that, it was just the running joke. Every time she saw me when I moved to Sacramento, she's like, oh, you only did one lesbian joke tonight. And like, finally, when I took all of them out of my set was like the first time I think she took me seriously, but it was like, yeah, I did all dick jokes, lesbian jokes. I did way too many, like, um, like people pooping their pants, like just random (laughs) stuff like that. I thought I was going to be viral. I had a whole bit about an Olympic power walker who shit their pants mid race. It was like a five minute joke that I was so proud of. And now looking back, I'm like, uh, yeah, it's, (laughs) it's. I said shit his pants probably 26 times in five minutes. Wow. Not a good joke. Dang. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm not sure it was, I'm sure it was funny, but like, 
you know, it, it wears on you for after a while, probably. Yeah. Saying yeah. shit in his pants so many times. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still like, as an audience member, like you guys, yeah, like way too many dick jokes. Like I did. Yeah. I, I literally, even to this day, my mouse pad, uh, I thought I was going to go viral. I, it's, uh, my slogan was, uh, oh, it's blurry. It says, no meat, <laughs> all potatoes. And my joke was, I have a tiny dick, but huge balls. So it's kind of <laughs> like, no meat, all potatoes. <laughs> That's kind of neat. I mean, if you had a good joke, like, you know, based on it and stuff, yeah. you could probably put t-shirts out on it. That's what I thought. I was going to do a potato stress ball because I was like, yeah, my downstairs <laughs> is like an Irish diet. You know, <laughs> it's not Adkins friendly. And I would just do so many punches on it. And I was like, but it's just, it's a dick joke. <laughs> but it worked in Reno. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. This is a bad example. Like, it doesn't work anywhere else. It just works here. <laughs> it was bad. So at what point did you, uh, did you kind of decide that you're, did, how did you get out of Reno? Did you decide you're going to kind of go somewhere else and, and do more stuff? Or is it just like work took you there? So it was sort of like my wife, Aurora, and I, we were still just dating at that point, but living together. And we were like paycheck to paycheck in Reno. And I was just like, I don't like this because I was working for the comedy club, but he was just sort of like not paying minimum wage he was just like thanks for helping out here's 20 bucks i'm like okay i worked for six hours like oh wow uh, like if i'm gonna dedicate all this time i can't do this so it was like very rough and then one of our comedian friends was like hey my company's hiring down in sacramento and my wife aurora is from sacramento so we're like hey we could move in with your mom i can work a better job the comedy's better like we're gonna be able to actually save some money and not be paycheck to paycheck so much. And so we moved down and moved in with her mom and, and made it work. Wow. That's incredible. And it was just an opportunity that you got. Hell yeah. It was just perfect timing. It really was. Cause it was like, that was one of the months where I was like, okay, we have like $40 left in the bank. Like this is time to start budgeting or we're going to start having some credit card debt, which I'm like, I try to use my credit card, like a debit card. Like that was the first time I was like, I don't have enough money to pay the bill this month. And like my job, I was the best auditor for this casino. I was making $12 an hour, which was like, ooh, that's fancy in Nevada, like $7.50 minimum wage. So $12 is nice. And they're like, yeah, you were our top performer. You did like 1.8 times more work than anybody else. Here's a 12 cent raise. Oh my goodness. I was like, wow. what? They're like, a casino. That's wild. 1% after like a, an amazing year where they even were trying to offer me like a promotion that just didn't work with my comedy schedule. And then they give me a 12 cent raise. I was like, I need out. And yeah, showed up in Sacramento and minimum wage was $12 here. Wow. And I'm like, okay, how much can you guys pay me? And he was like, 14. I was like, oh, that's yeah. Great. Cool. That is and awesome. so yeah, it was just perfect. That is awesome. That is great. Yeah. yeah, we just lived with her mom until we saved enough for a wedding, and then moved out on our own and had the wedding. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, nice. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. That's yeah, we got awesome. we got married right before the pandemic hit, like literally February 2020. Oh, had the wedding, went on our two week honeymoon, came back, and the world shut down like six six days later. I think it was just like instant. Nice. We got married fairly before the pandemic too in July of 19. Congrats. Yeah. yeah you guys yeah. before anybody even actually had it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that we, we know had, of. 
Yeah, yeah that we know. <laughs> the maid of honor at our wedding, 95% likely to have had COVID. Oh, wow. Before any of us knew what it was or that it was in the States. Like, because now they're looking back, they're like, oh, yeah, the first people in the US were having it in like October, November of mm-hmm. 2019. She was like, oh, yeah, I just like, I have a really dry cough and like, I think I just drank too much. And then she like couldn't really smell or taste that well. And like looking back, we we're like, oh, it's just a cold. But yeah, dun, no, dun, dun. We, yeah, definitely COVID. Nobody else got sick that we know of. So that's good. Yeah. We, uh, we, when we, so we were, we stopped doing comedy for like maybe three years mm-hmm. and then we got back into it. We, we got married in, in, uh, in Reno, actually. Nice. Uh, we were going to Reno and um, we, you know, we started to the, the Grand Sierra Resort, which is a really nice place. And I then we started getting there. coupons for it. Yep. And so we went back. And then the second time we went back, uh, I was like, you know, let's get married, you know, because we were together for like nine years at that point. And then, um, then on the way home from Reno, uh, we were like, you know what? Like, I think it's time. You know, we, we haven't done comedy for a long time. We really want to. Like, we're both feeling good about what we're doing. I think we need to get back into comedy. And so then yeah. we got married on July 13th. And then by July 22nd, we were back on stage. Nice. time. Yeah, nice. it was great. And then, and then I was like, man, I want to go back to Reno now, now that we're doing comedy again, you know? Yeah. We, did, we were able to, we got like, uh, it was, it was, too, it was crazy because Grand Sierra Resort sent us two free nights. They sent both of us two free yeah. nights. And so nice. what we did was I stayed for two nights for free and then she stayed two nights for free. And we just spent four nights in Reno just doing comedy. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. And yeah. The, the scene is nice. Like they're fun. It's a lot of dick jokes, but they're like yeah. the nicest humans. It's I'm such like, a, yeah. it's such a good community. They were so welcoming. Yeah. Uh, I really, I, I said, you know, they had a lot of these kind of jokes, but I do like the people there. They were really fun. Yeah. And I'm like, it's, I don't blame them for their comedy. I blame the environment there. Yeah. It's like, all of us did that. That's how I started in comedy. Like looking back at my sets early on, I'm like, it was all dick jokes because that's the only way anybody paid attention. Right. Like right. it was just a product of the environment. So it's, it's like, yeah, if, attention. You're right. Yeah. I'm like, everybody does it. And then once you give them chances and enough chances to have good crowds, then they, they morph and they change into who they actually want to be. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it, it's nice. And it's like, yeah, there were one or two open mics when I was there that you could experiment with like actual joke jokes. And so it was like, okay, these are the good ones. But it's like looking there now, I'm like, no, it's pretty much all like just your comic friends. It's late nights at bars. So yeah, it's tough. It's a tough environment for sure. Yeah, they had some cool places though. Like the library was cool. The Elbow Room and Sparks. I like that stage a lot. The Elbow Room. Yeah, that's a fun one. I That wasn't around when i started but i would go there because i did plays at a theater right next door okay so that was like our like after rehearsal or after performances we just go into that room and and like drink and hang out so i know that room pretty well so i it's funny i do this jaywalking ticket joke where like i i I say this city and then i just i name two cities right like a, a richer city and a poorer city and i've always done it here and i've always said the same cities i've never changed it but when I was in Sparks, I had an epiphany. I was like, wait a minute. I could do any, I could put any city in here. Yeah. I, I could be like, oh, Sparks and Reno. Like it works perfect. And I just never thought about that before. But like being in a different area, it it, it came to me and I thought that was pretty neat. It, it's really interesting. Yeah. The more you do comedy in different places and learn which jokes you can like replace a city. 
Mm-hmm. Like I have a joke. It, the true story is that I was performing at a brewery next to UC Davis. And I do a joke where I say Nevada was just ranked 51st in education. And I said it. And this girl in the front row, like in her 20s, raised her hands and went, woo. And I was like, what? She's like, at least it's top 100. <laughs> oh. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I don't think she goes to UC Davis. <laughs> and I said that out loud and the crowd went nuts. And then I like, I can do that joke in Sacramento. I can do it in some parts of like the East Bay. But like I went down to Fresno, didn't make sense. I do it in San Francisco. They don't really fully get it. Like they're like, oh, I don't know what UC Davis is. And then like I'll usually say, I don't think she's from UC Davis. I think she's from Vacaville and she needs to leave. (laughs) And it's like I just changed the city. So like I did it in Fresno. I was like, I did a show for Fresno State and somebody said, Yay, at least it's top 100. I was like, I think you go to Fresno City College. And the crowd went nuts. I'm like, it's just simple or like change a city. And it's like, it's so interesting that the setup still works and you just a little substitution. Throw in something else and yeah, it works. Yeah. I like it too, because it makes it personal. It It feels like you're mm -hmm. connecting with them a little bit more because you know what's up. I do this one joke where uh, we have this, we have this highway here. It's called the Altamont. Uh, Are you familiar? Okay. Everybody hates it. It's awful. It's terrible. (laughs) <laughs> and so I was doing this joke where I say locally, of course, where I say my wife's nickname is the Altamont because she gets in front of me and goes hell slow. And we were in Santa Cruz and I wanted to do that joke, but I said, my wife's nickname is highway 17. Yep. And the whole place went, Oh, because they knew something was coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I could do that anywhere I go. I just got to, Hey, what's the shittiest freeway around here? You know? Yep. I was doing that in Fresno. I was like asking, I was like, yeah, what can I make fun of? Like, I have a joke about this. What, what's a good metaphor? Like, and people were giving me help. And then somebody was like, this is a competition. Don't help him. Don't give him the info. Oh, oh damn. That's it's funny. Just, it's funny. Yeah. It's like you can substitute things and some, yeah. Sometimes you have to address like the city itself. Like, um, Aurora was doing the San Francisco international comedy competition nice. and they do shows in Orenda. And if you Google Orenda, one of the first things that pops up is they banned leaf blowers in their city. Oh, dang. Because it's like a retirement community. All the people who made their billions in the Bay and move out there. It's too loud. It's too loud. They're like, and it's just so loud. They're out there blowing leaves all over and blowing up dust and making noise. We don't need that in our city. And because it's all old people there, they pass the law. Right. Like, (laughs) why? I love that. Like, I didn't know that about Orenda. I did a show years ago at that little Orenda theater. I don't know if you guys have ever performed there. No. Uh, They, like, we did it in the bar attached to the giant theater. Oh, that's cool. It was like 20 people. The average age was 83 years old. Dang. It was uh um Sandra Risser when she still lived Aww. over over here. Oh, she put yeah. it together. And all the other comedians, like I got invited by Morty Stein. I don't know if you've met him yet. Wow. I, I think cool. I know him or who he is, but yeah. Yeah. So older guy, he's a mortician, Morty the mortician. And he was like, and we're good friends. So he's like, Hey, you want to come do the show in Orenda with me? Sandra Risser's putting it together. I was like, Sandra's great. Yeah, sure. And I walk in, I'm like, I'm the youngest person in this room. (laughs) There was one guy like in his thirties that was there. And during my set, I was like, how old are you? And he like, wouldn't talk to me. 
And I was like, what's going on? He's like, oh, I'm just picking up a DoorDash order or like <laughs> Uber Eats order or whatever from this restaurant. And so he was wow. sitting there waiting for the order and watching the show. And then he left. And then it was just, yeah, all the people in their 80s. And, and then I you're just, like, finally something can relate to. Yeah. <laughs> and so I spent the entire set insulting the old people. Like, I listened to it recently. Chelsea Bierce was there. Um, <laughs> one of the best. Yeah, and absolutely. Hearing her, hearing her laugh because I turned it into a I hate you crowd work show. Because I would ask them, <laughs> like, Old people are the weirdest. I was like, my name's Drew Schaefer. And some old lady was like, are you related to Roger Schaefer? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I was like, not that I know of. How do you spell it? Because like Schaefer, S-H-A-F-E-R is how my name is spelled. But there's like a hundred ways to spell my last name. I was like, so how, do, how does he spell Schaefer? She was like, I think with an S. <laughs> I'm like... What did you think I was confused about? Like I literally was like, "This, I died, and I'm in hell. This is this is purgatory. This is hell. Like, there's no way this is real right now." And you could just hear me slowly having a mental breakdown and Chelsea's laugh in the background as I kept cussing them out and saying, "This is bullshit." Like I did like 25 minutes. I was scheduled for 25 minutes. It was brutal and i was just like making fun of all the movies they watch because they were like old like humphrey bogart movie <laughs> posters in the background i was thinking casablanca too when you said that <laughs> yeah and i was just like, making fun of everything i've never seen any of the movies i was like making up stuff that happened in the movies i was like you guys are old you don't remember oh, <laughs> oh my gosh does this exist can i see this somewhere <laughs> it's yeah i need to see if i still have the audio because it's just the funniest like worst set I've ever done. Oh wow. That's great. Good old Orinda. <laughs> Good old Orinda. <laughs> hey, so when you when you moved to Sacramento from Reno, uh was there like a bit of a culture shock for you because the the scene was like bigger and stuff? Definitely. So I, I remember showing up on night one and I went to Laughs Unlimited open mic, their pro am. And back before the pandemic, a hundred and twenty comedians would show up. Like, Dang. not even kidding. Like, literally everybody in Sacramento. It was the only open mic that night. Laughs Unlimited was, like, the combination of every type of comedian. So you had the urban comedians. You had the alt comedians. You had the wow. storytellers. Like, everybody would come together. And I showed up, like, I'm the best thing from Reno. Like, I'm hot shit. Like, these people have no chance. And I did my set and got, like, three laughs and watched, like, everybody else just crush. And I was like... <laughs> Oh, oh, like I was a big fish in a tiny, tiny bowl in Reno. And so it was, yeah, culture shock. The stuff that worked in Reno didn't work in Sacramento. And it was just like, okay, I got to step it up. And it was, it was a good culture shock and it made me so much better. But yeah, I showed up doing lesbian jokes, talking about my dick. It's like, yeah, I was, I had to start over almost. Yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine so. And that was, yeah, that was four years into comedy. And then I moved here. So I was like a four-year comic, but four years in Reno, which I'm like, that's like two years in Sacramento <laughs> or a year and a half. Like time dilation changes it. And so, yeah, I learned, I learned pretty quick, I think. That's cool. Do you still have family in Reno? Um, so I do have some family um, in Fernley, which is a small mm, town yeah. outside of there. But like being from the Bay originally, like most of my family's in and around the bay um have sort of spread out towards sacramento and middle of nowhere like jackson area so yeah they're all over that's great 
Hell yeah. yeah. That's tight. That's But cool. also I, I really admire the fact that uh, you saw that your material wasn't going to hit the same way in SAC. And instead of going, well, fuck comedy then, <laughs> you yeah. were taking or, it as a challenge. Or pushing through because a lot of people will come with material that doesn't necessarily work and they'll just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, you know? Yeah. I'm just, I'm so like, the anxiety really helped because I was like, if they're not laughing, I feel terrible. So yeah, I just let it fuel me. And I was like, okay, I got to change. And Jenny is such a good supporter of comedy that like her giving you shit is like the ultimate sign of respect. So I'd finish my sets and she would be like, oh, more lesbian material. <laughs> Cause like my opener before the overbite joke um, which is my favorite opener because it's like right away, like, is this a crowd that's going to mess with me? Are they going to be cool? Um, before that, my joke used to be, I look like what would happen if Drew Carey had sex with Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it would crush. And I'm like, of course, like that's a young comedian. I look like this and this. Um, and it was like in Reno, like showstopper, I would close with it because it would be like the crowd would go so nuts. There was nowhere to go from there. Um, and then Sacramento. Yeah. Jenny kept giving me shit. And finally I was like, okay, I'm going to change my set. And it was for the best. So I sometimes will drop that joke if a set's going terrible. And I'm like, how do I get in with these people? Like, especially middle of nowhere places. Like that's yeah. a joke that hits so much harder. Like the Bay area, they'll boo me. <laughs> they will be like, how dare you insult Ellen? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, there's a few places like that I've done recently where like, like kind of a rowdy bar maybe where mm-hmm. I'm not dirty enough for them. Right. They, they want yeah. the dirty, dirty stuff. Yeah. So that's when you can kind of pull stuff like that. And, and I, Ellen's not really a dirty joke, but like, you know, your old dick jokes and, and whatever yeah. else you could pull those out in those kind of situations. I'm sure. Pulling out your dick jokes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pulling out your dick jokes. Yeah. Let's, that's yeah. a joke in its own. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, put a comma in there. I was like, wait, no, that's just all in how you read it. Yeah. That's grammatically, there's no comma that you could put in there. It's just, yeah, what order? <laughs> I know that's what I love about comedy. Like, for me, I'm very much like, not that I would pander to crowds, but I change my set based on the environment. So, like, I have the clean set, I have the dirty set, I have the, oh, they need one liners, they need stories. Like, I have a lot of jokes that I feel confident and comfortable with. So, it's like, yeah, if it's a rowdy bar show, I'm like, all right. I got to hit them quick with some of the dirty stuff. Yeah. And Absolutely. it's it's fun to have like a toolbox of jokes. Oh, yeah. And- yeah, it really is. I actually recently went through and I made like a like a master set list on my phone of all my jokes. And I even categorized them all. Yep. So it's super cool. Like, you know, just different ones and everything. I like it a lot. Yeah, you did you use like a note app or like what did you use? Yeah, you know what? In fact, I was using this really shitty app and I was talking about complaining to my wife about it. And she was like, Oh, get this one. And it's great. It's called like Color Note or something. Yeah, Color Note. Okay. I have Android. I don't know if you have Android or not. I have Android. Yeah. Yeah, it's called Color Note. And it's really good. I really like it a lot. It's it's neat. See, people are learning. I I use, um, I found it on Reddit. It's called Comedy Companion. Oh, I think I have that too. But for some reason, it's like kind of hard for me to follow. It's yeah, it's a little tricky. Like it's fun because you can like write out the jokes and say how long the joke is mm-hmm. and then build set lists. So like, oh, hey, here's my dirty 25. Here's my clean 25. Yeah. And then you can drag and drop like the jokes into it. So that's convenient where I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, let's do this joke. And then it's kind of cool. So you're not sitting there like, oh, I have a seven minute set. What's seven minutes? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. And then like, uh, I have two apps. I can't find them right now, but yeah, there's very similar like that where you can kind of add, add, add different set lists and add different mm-hmm. venues and, and things like that, which is pretty neat. And yeah. I just don't, I don't utilize as much. I should. Yeah. I, I got lucky that like most set links start to be the same at some point. And like the world series of comedy I've been doing for four years now. And it's like, first round is five, second round is seven, third round, I think now is 10. And then the finals, if you make it 25. Wow. And so now like in my phone, I have a five minute, a seven minute, a 10 minute and a 25 because it like competition. I'm like, okay, I need to know what I'm doing a little bit more than usual. Mm-hmm. And so now like if I get called last minute and they're like, Hey, can you do a 10 minute set? I'm like, yeah, let's pull up my phone. Oh, yep. Those are the jokes I do for 10 minutes. And so I'm, I'm nice. thankful for that because it's like, yeah, I, I don't panic anymore. I'm just like, okay, which set am I doing? Cool. I like that. That's neat. Yeah. I don't really have that thing going, but that's pretty, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Like that. Yeah. Timing's super important because it's not just being able to like hit the mark when you need to. It's also making sure the material meshes well, your segues go well. Yeah. <laughs> the way that I read early on was um, you're telling a story with your set. And when I first read that, I was like, I'm not a storyteller. I'm a one-liner. And then they were like, no, like you walk on stage and you're communicating a few ideas about yourself or your life or whatever. So you're telling a story. So now, like when I build my set, I'm like, okay, my set tonight is going to be religious, awkward at sex and closer joke, which now my closer joke is always about being a waiter. And it's a big story that like blew up online. So I'm like, okay, I always end with that. But I'm like, okay, what am I communicating to the crowd? I'm communicating this, this and this about me and what jokes tell that story the best. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Cause like a lot of people, like I said, you know, do these horrible jokes about horrible things. And, and I'm just like, I'll see him on, we watch kill Tony a lot. And so you see people talk about, you know, like child stuff that you don't want to hear about, you know? And then Mm -hmm. I'm like, how does this person just sit down and think about like, that's what's on their mind. You know, like like, I'm over here thinking about like, Oh, I, I I work from home and this and this, right. Cause that's what I do. And I feel like what you see on stage kind of represents you. It does. Yeah. And that's, I think, especially comedy nowadays, AI can write a joke. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what do you do different than just writing a joke? And it's like, you reveal something about human nature. You reveal something about yourself. You're yeah. vulnerable. Like something, even if you're like a one-liner comedian, like let that reveal something about you as a person or something people can relate to. And I, I'm noticing more and more audiences are drawn to that. The comedians that are blowing up on Netflix and TikTok have more of that. And I'm like, okay, I think that's where we're going, where it's like in the old days, hey, knock-knock jokes for 45 minutes, we'll listen. But now it's like, no, we need to know like why you're knocking and they want to, yeah, they want like more of a connection. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like um, knock knock. Why are you knocking? Yeah. I did this, I did a Zoom show during the pandemic, and it was like almost like a like a feedback thing. And one of the experienced comics, more experienced comics, told me that I had a unique style of um hybrid between a one-liner and storytelling because I tell stories with my one-liners. So it's kind of yeah. like what you were saying in, in your situation. So I feel like maybe we're similar that way. That, and that's what I thought I remembered about your set, that it's still like it's a structured one liner set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's like there's a lot of young comics here in Sacramento that are really good at one liners right now. But it's so disjointed. Mm-hmm. That's okay. like as an audience, like you, you need some sort of cohesion, like Ace. something. Yeah, like 
there's some one-liner comedians from the old days, like Geechee Guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or seen him. Oh. Um, world record for most jokes told in one hour. Wow. Um, like 800 jokes Holy or something like that. Wow. And yeah, it was like it had to get a laugh for it to count as a joke. And it's like he's just straight one-liners. But even his, he like has chunks where he's like, okay, to start with, I'm going to do my Reno jokes. I'm going to do my whatever jokes. And he has like a set list and it's chunked by topic. So yeah, the crowd will how, hear that's something. That's how I do it too. Yeah, you have to because it's like then you're also not having to reset the room or reset the context every single time. It's like, okay, here are one-liners about being divorced. Okay, I don't have to keep starting every joke with I'm divorced because you <laughs> you told him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just like just like if I okay, so if I go into my married jokes, then I'll mm-hmm. know to hit all my marks, and yeah. then I can move on to my food jokes or my cat jokes or you know whatever. Yeah, the science behind it is so interesting because people mm-hmm. think we're just up there goofing off, but it's like no, there is some serious like science to a good set. Yeah, yep. absolutely. I like that. That's awesome. And then the, you really know what you're doing because, like you said, you've been doing it for like 10 years. And, and we have too. We've been doing it a little over 10 years. And so nice. I feel like the psychology of comedy is finally like making sense to me in a way where it didn't really before. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, for me, two years ago was where like it all started to click. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I had a, a set where I was doing just sort of one liners, kind of disjointed, but kind of on topic. Um, and after the show, somebody came up to me and he's like, Hey, like, you know how to do a setup and a punchline. Like you have clever punches. You're good. But your wife, Aurora, she's funny. Oh my (laughs) gosh. Us too. Like, like she always used to always blow me out of the water. Yeah. Now we're kind of more on the level playing field because I've gotten a lot better and I've got, I've kind of understood it more, but yeah, no, she would always, always, always like, like. They would come up just like, oh, yeah, you were really good. And then, like, oh, my God, you were so funny. Oh, my God. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, well, I'm here, too. But the opposite of that used to happen a lot of the times whenever we would go to venues, people mm-hmm. would just gravitate towards Sam and assume I was just like, you know, side person, like socially. that I wasn't involved. Socially. And so they'd be like, yeah. oh, hi, Sam. And, and oh, you're a comic and blah, blah, blah. And then they wouldn't know that I was going up. And yeah. when I did, then they'd be like, oh, you're a comic too. And then I was accepted at that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, all, all offense to Sam, he looks like comedy's his only thing. Okay? <laughs> he looks like that's his only outlet. You look like you have success in your life and happiness. And yeah, sorry, Sam. You look like uh, this. I mean, this is your last you hope. smile on your face when you say that, it's okay. <laughs> I don't mind. I wish it was video so they could see that I'm smiling and not so angry. <laughs> I mean, you might come across as an asshole on the podcast because they can't see you, but that's all right. It's funny, though, because I have the opposite where Aurora and I walk into venues and Aurora is so confident and, like, looks like a comedian. We're, like, we were, where were we? We were, were, like, at a hotel recently and somebody walked past us and she's, like, oh, my God, are you, are you famous? And Aurora's, like, I'm a comedian. She's, like, I could tell. I could just tell by your energy and then I was just wow. standing behind Aurora off to the side and nobody <laughs> talked to me at all. And I was like, yep, she's the star. And I look like I do her taxes. So. <laughs> Who's it's... this creepy guy following you, though? Yeah. <laughs> Why is he smiling so much? Sir, can I help you? Yeah. Like... <laughs> what are you yeah, so happy what... about? <laughs> is, is this guy bothering you, Aurora? He needs to leave. <laughs> we actually, we did... um. 
there was a festival in Sacramento, the Sacktown Comedy Get Down, and we did it together last year. And there was like karaoke after the first night of shows. And like at the karaoke night, I was like sort of cuddling with Aurora and like grabbing her ass and just like being flirty and cute, whatever. And one of the guys who was a producer for the whole event came over to her and he's like, hey, is Drew bothering you? (laughs) And like, she was like, no, we're married. He's like, wait, what? And he was so blown away. He was like, I thought he was just being a creep. Like, I mean, that's, that's common though in comedy. It's so, yeah, it's so common. Creepy guys. And like, I get it. I know what I look like. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not out here like, oh, I'm what? Who would All think smiling that? Smiling like, the whole time. <laughs> smiling the whole time. I'm a four. She's an eight to a 10. Like, I'm like, yeah, she's, yeah, there's nobody who believes we're together. It's, it's really funny. That being said, though, um, that was pretty cool of him to make sure she was okay. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, because if she wasn't, then she would have gotten help. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what what a good ally. Because yeah. yeah, dudes in comedy are creepy. And it's like we as dudes, we need to step up because yeah, that's why there's not as many female comedians because they show up and then they get like freaked out. <laughs> harassed and freaked out. I'm like, I wouldn't go either. Like that no boys allowed show, like some of that treatment, like ha ha ha, we got cat called for a little bit, but it's like it's real like that happens to women when they're just trying to tell a joke mm-hmm. and i'm like yeah as dudes we don't have to deal with it nobody's like pull out your dick like nobody <laughs> ever says that <laughs> even when i make jokes or i'm like my dick's really small nobody's like prove it like they don't. <laughs> i'm gonna say that next time i think yeah oh my goodness. <laughs> i'm like trying to set it up i'm trying i just want somebody to say it so when it happens i'm like they asked me to it wasn't unsolicited <laughs> it was by request i swear yeah because they always complain about unsolicited dick pics but solicited <laughs> i want to get this be the first ever solicited dick pic do people ever ask you uh, if you guys do comedy together yeah, yeah all what's the your time. response to that usually um i say no because we want to stay together nice my my response is uh yes we do but individually that's yeah <laughs> aurora and i did a show another one at stab shout out to stab for having the most creative shows uh but it was um aj DeMello. it was called i don't usually do this and every comedian went out and did like five minutes of their normal type of comedy and then five minutes of any other type of style so like you could be an alt comic or a prop comic or whatever a character um and when aurora went up there she did her set and then she's like i don't usually do this but drew come up on stage let's do comedy together oh wow and we told a story about the first time i ever flew was with aurora to denver when we first started dating and it was when um colorado was the only place where weed was legal to just buy recreationally so of course we did it and it was just all the the fun of adventures because you know religious me i was like oh no like uh, god's gonna get me like <laughs> freaking out and then i ate one edible because my i can't smoke i'm very bad lungs and throat so i did one edible in the hotel room and passed out for like 10 hours so i was like oh we got 10 of these to eat in two days like we're gonna take it on the plane and so then, yeah, it's a whole story. It's really funny. I'm trying to get it to like be TikTok ready. But yeah, it went so well. And people were like, you guys need to keep doing that. And I was like, damn it. Wow, that's cool. That's and it was cool. just, it was just natural. It was just like, oh, I'll tell this side of the story. You tell your side of the story. Cause we had like, we split up when we got through TSA with weed because she had the weed and I didn't. 
uh, but I didn't have my ID because I lost it. So I was like, they're going to like check every inch of my bag. So I was like, you take it. And so, yeah, she tells her side of the story because she had the weed and then they had a dog sniffing everybody as we were walking through. Oh, so I'm like, I'm fine. Hi, doggy. And then I turned to look for Aurora and she had bolted out a line away from the dog. <laughs> and yeah, so then she tells her side, I tell my side, and it it was oh, really great. funny. That is really awesome. But I'm like, yeah, what else could we do up there? Like, yeah. And then also, I tell people that most places aren't set up for that. They're not. Yeah. So I mean, I don't want to be that guy. We're like, okay, well, can you pull out another microphone and another mic stand out of your butt, please, and then connect it for me? Thanks. Yeah, it's so tough, and it's like. Any other situation, like I know like Natasha Leggero and, and Moshe Kasher, they mm. did like crowd work and Q&A after they each did an in- individual thing. And we're like, yeah, we could do that. But like the yeah. problem is like yeah, we're so competitive. Mm. Like are you guys, do you guys have that where you'd be like, no, I want to be the funny one right now? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. No? I think we're both kind of equal, share it. Yeah. Damn. No, we are so yeah. competitive. Like Maybe we would... in the beginning. Maybe in the beginning when we first started out, we were kind of yeah. like, Oh, you got that gig? I wanted that. Yeah, I kind of but... like she got a lot more gigs than I did at first. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, we Aurora and I are competitive. Like we almost broke up four or five years ago. Um, because we did a competition and I was like I was a diva, I was an asshole. Like I had to follow a comedian who bombed the entire time. <gasps> and so then my set, like I thought I was a genius. It was still that like cocky, like, oh, I'm the best from Reno. So I went out and had like an okay set, but in my head, I was like, oh, that was incredible. I took them from zero to whatever. And then Aurora followed me and absolutely crushed and advanced to the finals. And I was like such a diva that I was like, yeah, if you had had to go after that guy, you wouldn't have advanced. And like, I was such a dick about it. Cause it's like the competition brings out the worst in us. And like, looking back, I'm like, no, she fucking crushed. She had a voice like in a three minute audition. I know now, like you need to make them think, oh, okay. I want to see more of this person. Mm -hmm. And my three minute set was like, just trying to get reactions, get some noise out of them. Like there was no story, no reason for me to be up there for three minutes. So I'm like, nobody's watching me and going, oh, I'm interested to hear more from this guy. And I'm like, oh, Oh, I wasn't unique whatsoever. But at that time I was like, oh no, it's just because of competition. And we almost broke up like the entire car ride home just yeah i was i was in the wrong and yeah we we talked about it on our podcast and even then like the comments on tiktok were like oh he's still salty oh he's still like (laughs) i'm like yeah maybe a little but (laughs) i don't know i think you taking accountability is mm -hmm. like pretty cool yeah Yeah. and it it was tough but yeah we're competitive so i'm like if we did like the crowd work section of a show like both of us would be fighting to get the bigger laugh and like stepping in so it would never be like hey let's work together to get a good laugh it'd be like no i'm telling the joke here like (laughs) oh they said this i got this yeah see with us we have such similar um humor styles i guess or um whatever uh that i feel like we complement each other a little bit yeah yeah that i think that helps it's yeah aurora and i i'm starting to see us mesh more like for you guys, do you think you like started different and meshed or have you always sort of been like very similar? Well, we had very similar. So we were both from San Jose. Okay. Uh, we had very similar 
broken homes growing up. Amen. Uh, Amen. We we, we actually went to middle school together. For real? Yeah. Yeah. Did you like know each other in middle school? We were uh, acquaintances. Okay. Yeah. We didn't, we weren't really like friends or anything, but we, we, you know, we knew who each other were. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, we came back to each other's lives in our late twenties through Facebook and whatever. But like, I just feel like we had that chemistry. And since we had such similar upbringings, we kind of almost had the same mindset. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's what really like more than anything. Yeah. Aurora and I both single moms, dads that were alcoholics, like not around. So I'm like, yeah, like I think that more than anything bonds people together. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Trauma. I I could never, (laughs) yeah. I could never be with somebody who has happy relationships with their parents, like happy, healthy. Oh, like it's always weird to me when they're like, yeah, I'm just going to go hang out at my dad's place. I'm like, Ooh, you're, he's he's not going to be drunk and like (laughs) talking to the tv you like him (laughs) yeah i'm like i haven't talked to my dad since pre-pandemic he could be dead i don't know he he seems like an anti-vaxxer i'm like yeah i don't even know that about my dad i'm like did he get vaccinated my mom thought it was like the flu shot she's like they're gonna inject live covid into me i'm like no this is a completely different vaccine and i was like mom you smoke two packs a day you you and your husband chain smoke, you need something to protect your lungs. And she's like, I don't believe in it. I'm like, okay, I bet my dad's the exact same way. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, he could be dead. I don't know. I don't know how long it takes for the county to reach out to the next of kin, but yeah, I haven't heard anything. So who knows? Well, I would think my dad too, because he died before the pandemic, like in 2018, but I know like, I know that I would be so stressed out about his yeah, dumbass same. because he hated when people put rules on him or restrictions. Mm. So yeah, yeah, I think he would have stressed me out. <laughs> he timed it right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, my mom died in 2012, but I would have worried about her through the pandemic. Just, I mean, not even just because she's a rebellious, just because I would worry about her, you know? Yeah, that's not the thing. My mom probably didn't get COVID, but she's like the biggest hermit I've ever met. Like she just goes to work, goes home. She doesn't go outside ever. Like I thought as a kid, it was normal to just only go to school and go home. Like I didn't know there were parties. I didn't know there were events. <laughs> I didn't know people traveled. Like I was like, we're, she's like agoraphobic. So I'm like, yeah, she, COVID, she was fine. She didn't ever nice. see anybody. Yeah, she that was her best time. Yeah. That was her best time. <laughs> yeah. She had no change in her social calendar. <laughs> hey, so uh, besides the almost breaking up part, uh, since yeah. a lot of people ask us this, I want to ask you, uh, what's it like to be married to a comedian? Um, I think it's good for the most part. I think especially having like a shared goal and mission for our life makes it where we're both understanding of each other. Yeah. It's like when you talk to like, because our podcast, we do the love and comedy podcast and we interview people where sometimes they like a lot of comedians who are married or dating people that aren't comedians. And we're like, hey, do they understand when you like last minute take a gig six hours away and you just go? And a lot of times they're like, they don't really get it. We have to set up like boundaries and like really go over when it's okay and when it's not okay. And I'm like, that's so weird. Cause like for us, it's like Aurora will be like, hey, I just got a text. They need a host in San Francisco. Can I just go tonight? I'm like, yeah, why are you asking? Go. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. there's literally like never arguments over taking gigs. Like Mm -hmm. the only time there's an argument is if she's like, I'm going to go do a free show in San Francisco. I'm like, 
get paid. Who's like, paying for, pay for gas? <laughs> yeah, like get paid. Like at least get paid. But yeah, like she's starting to like do colleges and cruises, and there's oh, no like nice. She's not like, oh my god, is that okay that I leave for a week? Can you handle the house? Like, there's none of that. It's just like, yeah, go. Like we fill in the gaps for each other. Like when I'm traveling, she's doing everything at home, taking care of our little five pound chihuahua. When she's on the road or doing stuff, I'm at home, and it's like there's never been any sort of fight or issue over that. Which I'm like, wow. If I was dating like a civilian, which yeah. is yeah. what I always you call always them, refer to them as that. <laughs> yeah, civilians. Like they would be like no you can't go and i'm like okay then we're done like that's yeah i have to do this or just miserably push through you know yeah so yeah we've talked to a lot we even like our last episode of our season one we had a a radio dj for the biggest like morning show in sacramento Mm -hmm. and his wife's a teacher and even that like he's like oh you know i get invited to radio events i get invited to this and we early on had to like set rules and decide and he's like and luckily she's very introverted so like she doesn't want to go which is fine because a lot of times i can't invite her so i'm like oh see see, everybody finds ways but it (laughs) sounds like more of an argument or more of an issue when you're two different careers yeah exactly yeah Yeah, because i've always said especially i really came um during the pandemic i was saying that like uh I'm glad that we share this interest and this passion because if, if we didn't share this passion, then she may not understand how much time it takes out of my life or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So I think, yeah, you guys did the right thing getting married. Oh, uh, thanks for your blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I, I, I wasn't Catholic. <laughs> I don't know why I tried. I was like, I did it the wrong order. <laughs> just, it's no, a, I was, it's ba- I was Baptist. Yeah. yeah. Let it slide. <laughs> yeah. I love, I, I did a show last night. So I do a joke where I'm like, hey, what religion do you think I, I was? And 90% of the time they guess Mormon because I'm blonde hair, blue eyed, so smiley. I would have said Jehovah Witness. That hurts worse <laughs> somehow. I just saw you on a bike one time wearing a tie. Right? Oh, no. The worst part in college, I worked at a restaurant that was like a mile away. So I rode my bike to work and the uniform was black pants, white dress shirt. So I would roll up with the the pants rolled up so i could ride my bike and walk in in a white shirt so yeah people thought i was a mormon oh that is mormon you're right and yeah my only tv credit i was on byu tv one time oh nice i'm like everything just says mormon about me but i was baptist nice (laughs) yeah That's great. You want to tell us about your podcast where people can find it and what it's yeah. about and stuff. I mean, you kind of told you what it's about, but yeah, tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, totally. So the love and comedy podcast, it's me and my wife, Aurora sing is what she goes by for stage. Um, and we are starting season two in August. Um, we're recording tomorrow for our first couple episodes of season two. Woo! Um, Congratulations. Wee! That's awesome. Um, and it's, it's fun. We, yeah, we talk about love. We talk about comedy. We talk about how the two intermingle and for season two, we're going to be adding a lot of fun games and stuff. Rapid fire. Um, just really fun viral clips we're hoping for the internet. So we'll see. Um, and then, yeah, you can find me online. I'm on TikTok and Instagram are my two biggest ones. I'm at Drew Schaefer comedy. That's Drew, like the past tense of draw, Schaefer with an S, because apparently you have to specify, uh, but it's Schaefer. It's like safer with an H. 
and <laughs> comedy is yeah so drew schaefer comedy i don't have a fun cute cutesy way to say comedy <laughs> yeah like dot com and then edy there you go <laughs> i don't know i don't know <laughs> dot com edy there you go yeah aurora uh, has aurora has a funny thing when she's on stage she like plugs herself at the end and she's like if you can't spell comedy i don't want you to follow me <laughs> <laughs> i'm like that's true yeah don't let those people be your fans <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly that's awesome hey well thank you so much for joining us Drew. it's been super fun talking yeah. to you yeah thanks for having me you guys it was fun absolutely and then uh you can find me uh at funky samadina across the board and i'm at she shines for you all spelled out no numbers and everything else is that hypothetical comedy awesome drew thank you so much thanks guys